picking it up there at verse 17. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. And uh, let's uh, go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father, in Jesus' precious name, I thank you, Lord, that on this uh, 4th of July weekend, that uh, there's a remnant, Lord, not just in Kitsap County, but throughout the country and throughout the world that will still take time out on a beautiful day to gather with other believers, to worship you, to receive instruction in the word, uh, to pray together and the fellowship. And so I pray, Lord, whether it be the good days or the bad days, that your remnant would strengthen one another and worship you as individuals, but worship you corporately as well. And so, Lord, I pray the people that are here today, they came to hear your word proclaimed. They're not here to hear fake news. They love your truth. They want your truth. They want the power of your Holy Spirit to apply these truths to their lives. So I pray, Lord, they would not be disappointed that you would cancel the man, cancel myself, the fallible man, so that I may proclaim your fallible, infallible truth. And I pray, Lord, that uh, you would anoint me with your spirit and fill me with your spirit so I would not misinterpret your word and lead anyone astray. But in case that happens, Lord, give us all the courage to test everything, including what is proclaimed from this pulpit, to test everything with your word and to hold fast to that which is true, to that which your word teaches. Uh, empower us to apply these truths to our lives so we can be pleasing in your sight. And when your son, the Lord Jesus, returns, uh, he'll say, well done, thou good and faithful servant to us. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. So First Thessalonians, you know, Paul had planted the church and then had to flee the area due to persecution, went to Berea. And, you know, in, in, in Acts 17, when he says that the Bereans were of more, more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, he's not talking about these Thessalonian believers. He's talking about the Jewish religious leaders in the synagogues that try to have Paul and his colleagues killed. The, the Jews in the synagogues in Berea, they were open to studying the scriptures and open to the gospel message. And that's where they were more noble-minded. But Paul thinks so much, so highly of the Thessalonians because in the midst of persecution, they were willing to trust Jesus. And so it's my, my hope and my prayer that we'll be Thessalonians, that we'll be willing. Everybody wants to be a Berean. Yeah, we want to be a Berean. We want to test everything with the word of God. But we also want to be like the faithful in Thessalonica to where our whole community, our whole culture could want us dead if we proclaim the name of Jesus but we're going to proclaim his name just the same. You know, I was thinking about that too. Just uh, everybody talks about speaking truth to power, speaking truth to power. And people usually say that the most. They don't know what truth is, and they, they're all confused about power. But, um, but truth is what God reveals to us through nature and more specifically and more clearly through his word. That is truth, and we got to speak the truth. We've got to speak the truth in love, but those in positions of power today do not love Jesus. They don't love us. They don't love Jesus. They're all in it for the power. And so we've got to speak the truth in power. And I will say this. If you don't get in the habit of speaking truth to power, you're going to eventually uh, be telling lies to the oppressed. And the oppressed are not everything's defined wrong. The oppressed right now are believers, Bible-believing Christians, patriotic Americans, people who stand up for traditional values, and the oppressed are young people who are confused about their genders. They're being lied to, okay? And so if we don't have the courage to speak truth to power, we're going to be talking lies to the oppressed and that's not what God's called us to do. We've got to love people, no matter how sinful they are. Jesus loves us in the midst of our sin. We've got to love people no matter how sinful they are, but we've got to speak the truth to them. 
if what they're doing is wrong, we got to call it sin. If what we're doing is wrong, we got to call it sin, and we got to proclaim the name of the Lord Jesus. I could care less what the powerful people of this world say is right and wrong. If it contradicts the word of God, let God be true and every man a liar. And that's the way the Thessalonians were, these new believers. And Paul was so proud of them. But then he told them, you know, uh, be watchful, be ready for Christ's return and uh, comfort one another that Christ will return and make things right uh, upon the earth. And then last week he, we saw that Paul said to respect godly leaders. And then he told us in verse 16 to rejoice always, even in the midst of our sufferings. Even in the midst of difficult times, God has called us to rejoice. And uh, no matter how bad things get, we know that after this life ends, we spend eternity with King Jesus. No more pain. No more sorrow. No more tears. So we rejoice always. You know, we... Uh, we Christians in America, Bible-believing Christians, we're, we're real good about complaining about how ugly the world is. We're not real good at uh, manifesting God's joy before others. And so we got to work on that. So these are some convicting, easy verses to memorize. That's kind of the good side of the coin. The bad side of the coin is real convicting to follow. Rejoice always. Then verse 17, pray without ceasing. 18, in everything give thanks. You know, I, I, most of us, man, we, we got no problem thanking God when, uh, when we get a new car. But in everything give thanks, that means thanking God when your old car breaks down. And, uh, and everybody's beeping at you because you're blocking traffic. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. If we get through those verses today, I'll be happy at verse 22, and then we'll pick up 23 next week. So rejoice always. We talked about that last week. And then pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. And, uh, you know, first thing, I grew up Roman Catholic. And he, you know, it's like when I witnessed to my grandma in Aquino, showed her John 3.16, wanted to lead her to Christ. And she said, oh, that sounds nice, but I've been praying to St. Jude all my life, and he never let me down. And my heart just sunk, you know. Uh, let me tell you, prayer by definition is communication with God. And there's only one God, that God is three persons. So we're allowed to pray to three distinct persons, the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. Not to Michael the Archangel, not to Mary, not to St. Jude, not to St. Peter, okay? And so there's, so there's many people right now that pray without ceasing, but if they're just saying the rosary time and time again, I had all oh, my family members back in Jersey, the, the Portuguese and the Italians, man, they were all Roman Catholic, and some of them would pray without ceasing. But if you got ten Hail Marys to every Our Father, that's what the rosary is. At best, that's a lot of wasted time. At worst, that's idolatry. You pray to the triune God alone. Okay? You don't communicate with the dead. The Bible forbids that. Okay? I mean, I'll be honest with you. You want to make Mary and the saints happy? Don't pray to them then. Pray, pray to Jesus, okay? We even got visitations to planet Earth from an entity that calls herself, or I should say itself, Mary. It's probably the queen of heaven from the book of Jeremiah, a false goddess. It's probably a demon. There's something real going on, by the way, there. But you can look at the video footage. Uh, of the dancing sun and compare it with UFO footage. You tell me what's going on. It looks like the same stuff, the same demonic stuff. Hey, you pray without ceasing, but you pray to the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of Peter, Paul, and John, 
your God, my God, the one true infinite God who created us and provided salvation for us. That's what prayer is. And it doesn't have to be formal. You know, I always kind of get bummed out when people ask me to pray publicly because it's like, oh, you know, I'm a preacher and my prayers don't sound that great. But but most of the people who ask me to pray, they're not looking for a great prayer. Oh, mighty architect, you know. They're just, they're just looking for somebody talking to lead them and talking to God. That's what prayer is. Prayer is talking to God. For the most part, when God speaks to us, God, I mean, God can speak to us through nature. Beautiful sunset. If you can't see that that's the creator showing off his glory. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. God can speak to us through nature. But you better, but if you think you're getting a message from nature, you know, some people worship nature. If you think you're getting the message from nature that about God's glory, God's beauty, you better test it with the word of God. Because that's where in black and white and now also in, in red, red letters too, God just spells it out to us. And so we test all things with his word. So primarily when God speaks to us, he speaks to us in his written word. And when we speak to God, that's called prayer. Okay? But we're told to pray without ceasing. Now, I don't fault our Roman Catholic brothers for doing like in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You know, and they start their prayers and they close them with that. Hey, if you're acknowledging the triune God, I'm not going to give you a hard time about that. The only thing I didn't don't didn't like about it when I first became a true Christian at age 21, just down the block, is the Catholic charismatic movement that led me to the Lord. It took me two years of studying the Bible and uh, to realize I needed to get out of the charismatic movement and I needed to get out of uh, Roman Catholicism. Uh, but the thing I didn't like about it when I first got saved was it was kind of like going through that in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, amen, and then you start your prayer. It was almost like you were dialing up God. Okay, well, you can't pray without ceasing if you have to dial up God. If you have to dial up God, that means you weren't talking to him earlier. Okay, so make your life a prayer. Wake up in the morning praying. Okay, pray to him in the afternoon. Pray to him at e in the evening time. And then it'll become natural just as you go through your day to pray, you know? And we got to be careful. You want to be, when you're, when you're driving 60 miles an hour on the highway, you want to be praying. But you want, you want your eyes open, okay? Uh, when, when you're hammering nails or using a nail gun and stuff, you want to be praying and talking to God, but pay attention. Don't put a nail in one of your body parts. Put, it, put, put the nail where it's supposed to go, Okay? But offer your life, offer your life as a prayer to God. Um, always keep the communication line open with God, okay? Um, you know, I mean, we, how many times do we say, I love God? Well, how's your prayer life? Well, I'm not, a, prayer's not my strength, you know? That'd be, that'd be like saying, um, you know, a guy's in combat in a faraway country, and he says he loves his wife, and then you notice she sent him like 25 love letters, and he hasn't even opened up one of them. Okay, if you love your wife, you're going to want to keep the communication lines open. If you love God, you're going to want to hear from him and read his word, and you're going to want to talk to him. You're going to want to pray, okay? And uh, uh, so, uh, and by the way, when you pray and you ask God for stuff, when he says no, it's for your good, okay? But we never, we only remember the prayers that he says no to, okay? My old professor, Gary Habermas at Liberty University, he kept a prayer log because he thought, how come God never answers my prayers? He kept a prayer log for a few years, and when he went back over it, he found God was answering about 95% of his prayers. God was giving him what he was asking for about 95% of the time. And then when he looked and he saw the 5% that God didn't answer, he was really glad that God didn't answer. He realized, whoa, looking back, that would have blown up in my face. And, um, but, you know, right after this, after it says, you know, uh, pray without ceasing. And, that, and it says, and everything give thanks. We don't even thank God for the prayers he answers. 
You know, it's like that joke they used to tell where little boy was up real high in a tree and he lost his balance and started falling and said, God save me. Oh, never mind. A branch caught me, you know. And then um, then the other one was the other one was the uh, I'm sure you all probably heard this joke if if uh, you were born before 1980. Um, but uh, there was this big flood and um, and it started flooding the guy's house. So he moved to the second story and the Coast Guard came by and said, we'll take you out. We'll rescue you. He said, no, I'm praying to God. God's going to rescue me. So then the water got higher. So he got on the roof and the Coast Guard came second time and. And he said, no, I don't need your help. God's, God's going to save me. I'm praying to God. And then they came a third time. No, the water's up to his neck. God's going to save me. Then the fourth time they came, the guy had drowned. And so the guy got to heaven. He stormed past the pearly gates. And he wanted to see God. He wanted to complain. He said, I prayed to you over and over again to, to rescue me. And, uh, and you never answered my prayer. Never rescued me from the flood. And God said, what are you talking about? I sent the Coast Guard three times, okay? And so often we, we pray. And, um, I remember praying for a test. I did not understand the material. My first year of college, Liberty University, I did not understand the material. And I was like, Lord, I only know like 10% of this material. And then the entire test was on the 10% that I knew. And the first thought out of my mind, I started looking at the test. I was like, I know this I was like, I felt like saying, telling God, never mind. I don't need your help. Instead, it's like, whoa, no, I need to thank God for answering my prayer. Because obviously he was working through my professor when he was writing out that test. And, um, um, but we need to pray without ceasing. Look at Psalm 5. If you need help with your prayer life, just read Psalms. You'd be crying out to God in prayer all the time. Psalm 5, 1 to 3, King David says, Give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my meditation. Do you meditate on God's word? Your meditation has been taken over the word by the Hindus and all. But you look it up in a concordance. And the word, we're, we're commanded to meditate over and over and over again in God's word. But Hindu meditation, you empty your mind. And you try to cease to think. Well, God wants you to love him with all your mind. God doesn't want, God gave us minds so that we would think. He doesn't want us to stop thinking. You just experience without thinking, you're going to get all caught up in false pagan worship. So God wants us to, to focus our mind on truths from God's word. Okay? That's biblical uh, meditation. And so King David says, give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my meditation, give heed to the voice of my cry, my King and my God, for to you I will pray. My voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord, in the morning I will direct it to you, and I will look up. So he's saying in, in, in the morning, before anything gets started, before I go out, either to Watch over the sheep. He was a shepherd boy. Then he became a king. Before I go into battle, I start off my morning crying out to God. In fact, I think right there in Psalm 6, a little bit ahead, uh, a passage later, yeah, verse 6 of Psalm 6, I am weary with my groaning. All night I make my bed swim, I drench my couch with my tears. Um, this guy's, David's starting off each day with what? Prayer. He's closing out each day with what? Prayer. Okay? And that guy had stuff, you know, he had stuff to pray about. Most of us, especially if you're from New Jersey like me, you think everybody's out to get you. Okay? Um, David was right. Everybody was out to get him. Okay? So he had reason to cry out to God. He had reason uh, to pray, but we have reason to pray as well. Look at, uh, look at Daniel chapter 6. The prophet Daniel chapter 6. 
Now, and so, some of you are going to be able to relate to this too. Um, Daniel was a godly man. He worshipped the true God. At the same time, he worked in pagan, the pagan Babylonian Empire, and he was a higher-ranking guy. So there were other guys. Because he was loyal and such a good worker and loyal to the king, they kept promoting him, and a lot of his pagan co-workers wanted his job. So they were always trying to figure out how to get him, okay? And, um, and so they plotted against Daniel, and they came up with an idea. They said, uh, they told the, the Persian king, yeah, he was in Babylon, now he's in Persia. He's old, much older at this time. They told the Persian king, why don't we make a law that nobody can pray to any god, they can only pray to you, the Persian king, for one month. And if they pray to anybody but the Persian king, then they'll be thrown to wild beasts, thrown to lions. And the king thought that was a good idea. Now, unlike Babylon, the king was above the law. So the king could have changed the law if he didn't like it. Persian law, once the law is made, the king can't change it. And he loved Daniel. And he didn't realize this was all a plot to get Daniel in trouble and to get him killed. So what happens when, when this law goes out and Daniel knew the law, he knew the law went out. So verse 10, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. Okay, what do you do when they outlaw Christianity? You do Christianity. That's just what we do, okay? Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home and in his upper room, with his windows open towards Jerusalem. I probably didn't have the courage. I'd say, look, I normally pray with my windows open towards Jerusalem. I'm going to close them for next month. Not Daniel. With his windows open towards Jerusalem because he wanted to go back. He, he missed Jerusalem, and now Persia was allowing the Jews to return. He knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. He had gone to Babylon as a, as a kid, and now he had grown old 70 years later in the Persian Empire, but his custom from, from the early days was to pray three times a day. Verse 13, the per, other Persian leaders, so they answered and said before the king that that Daniel, who is one of the captives from Judah, does not show due regard for you, O king, or for the decree that you have signed but makes his petition three times a day. Not only did Daniel pray, his custom was to pray three times a day. Number two, he was not ashamed of it. He could care less who was watching. And number three, even if it cost him his life, he was still going to pray three times a day three times a day. Now, now God rescued him from the mouths of the lions, but he prayed three times a day. Let me tell you, that's a really good place to start. Well, best, best place to start, pray in the morning. Prayer, some devotional Bible reading. You do that, and you really seek God's face. You know, I can remember growing up in Jersey when I visited the Portuguese side of my family. They'd make us get on our knees on hard wooden floors and say a rosary all together, and I just go, our Father, you know, and I just, I wouldn't even think about it. I'd probably go into a trance-like state if I didn't start thinking about Raider football, maybe Muhammad Ali's last fight. That's not what I'm talking What I'm talking about is if you start your day really thinking about what you're saying and going to God in prayer, just talking to God, and devotionally studying God's Word, God will fill you with his Holy Spirit. Okay? And, and when you start your day like that, it just becomes natural to walk in the supernatural. Okay? So you don't have to have... I mean, I've, I've always got lists of things to do, and sometimes I even get to some of them. But I've always got lists of things to do. You know, I make these plans, and I think this is what God wants me to do. Sometimes he does want me to do them. Sometimes I'm required to do them. And uh, it could be part of my job as a pastor or a high school teacher. 
Um, but, uh, but when you get filled with the Spirit, it just becomes natural to walk in the supernatural. And, you know, you just say, God bless you and be safe to some people. Other people, you just start a full-blown conversation about Jesus with them. And um, how do you know? the? I don't know the difference. But God knows. The Holy Spirit knows. And the Holy Spirit will direct you. And, um, and you reach out to people and you show them that you care. But it becomes natural to walk in the supernatural. And every appointment is a divine appointment. You know, I bumped into some people... Uh, yesterday in Fred Myers, and I didn't, they thought, well, yeah, it was kind of a weird, yeah, it was kind of a weird situation. I don't know. Hopefully, God could have used it, but because I was, uh, I'm horrible at shopping, so I just turned my phone on, and my wife directs me down the aisle, and I got the speaker phone on, so I'm talking into my phone, and I'm a little loud, and so the, the ladies all smiled. I think they thought, oh, that's Nita. Finally, a man who listens to his wife when he shops. And uh, the guys were looking at me like I was a weirdo. And I thought, gee, what am I, what do I do? So I just looked back at them. And they thought, you know, he's not good at shopping. Who knows? Maybe he's good at fighting. So they just looked the other way. But, but every appointment is a divine appointment. So hopefully, hopefully I planted some seed somewhere. I know I had a good talk with a guy at the deli. While I was waiting for him to count, cut my three pounds of American cheese. And, um, and he remembered me from my Marine Corps and sub-base police days at Bangor, and now he's retired and stuff. And, and I told him I'm a preacher now. He said, yeah, I know that. And so I don't, you know, and so we, we got to talk a little. And, and um, but, you know, there is no such thing as a man or woman of God who doesn't pray regularly, and devotionally study God's word regularly, okay? You can't be, you know, it's just like, um, yeah, it's like, like saying, yeah, I'm best friends with Joe Schmo. Oh, yeah, well, when, well tell him you said, I said hello next time you see him. Well, I haven't seen him in 20 years. Well, next time you talk to him, I haven't talked to him in 20 years. What kind of best friends is that, okay? And, um, and so we need to pray without ceasing, always keep, the communication lines open with God. What do you do when things are good? You pray. What do you do when things get bad? You pray. Okay? Well, I went back to Jersey to go see my dad die in April of 2009. Uh, my sister Marie sent this guy, real nice guy, who's an ex-convict, but he we all have rough spots in our life. And his name was Tish. And he said, oh, you, oh, you, think, you're, uh, you think you're going to see your father die? And I said, yeah. My sister Marie said he's dying. He said, yeah, well, he, he turned around. While you were flying out, he took a turn for the better. You're going you're gonna to have a week or two of a good time with him. And, um, and so what do I do? And when I think my dad's dying, I pray. What do I do when I find out he turned it around? By the grace of God, I pray. I give God thanks. I had a beautiful time telling my dad I love him. I had a beautiful time talking with him for a week or two. And then a few months later, he did die. So what do I do? I pray. Okay? So, I mean, it, it, this is not rocket science. It's not like you got to get a big, huge manual when it comes to prayer and say, gee, when is it exactly that I pray? Is this one of those technicalities when I'm supposed to pray? Pray without ceasing means it's always the right thing to do, to pray. You know, This is why poor people are more attracted to God than wealthy people. And by the way, there's a lot of godly wealthy people like Abraham, Sol or Solomon had some bad days, King David, um, Nicodemus, Joseph, Arimathea. But, you know, when Bill Gates gets sick, he just hires the world's best doctors, and he just pays the bill. When you or I get sick, we might not be able to afford the doctor's payment, even with health insurance nowadays. 
And so we're much more likely to say, man, there's not, I can't figure out what to do. I got to pray. And um, we need to thank God for all the times he shows us that our problems are bigger than us. Because if we never have problems that are bigger than us, we'd have no incentive to go running to God. You know, I like joking around with little kids. Some of you know that. And I'll joke around with a kid. I'll make a Muhammad Ali face and let it fist. And some of the kids think it's funny. Most of them, you know, a week or two, psychotherapy, they'll be all right. But, um, but it's amazing how many of them, when I do that, the first time I do that, first thing they'll do is they'll just turn around and run to mom or dad and grab their leg. Okay? You've got to have the faith of a child. When things are hurting, your problems are bigger than you, you go running to God. Okay? That should be easy for believers. When things are going good, you also need to go running to God. Things are going, most of us, when things are going good, we don't think we need God. You say, just, just stay, on the, stay on the sidelines, God. Just give me the ball. I'll get on the field. I'll take care of it. And it's like, no. We need to be dependent on God. Prayer shows our dependence upon God, okay? Uh, you, show me, you show me somebody who doesn't pray, I'll show you somebody who doesn't depend on God, period. And, um, and so you pray without ceasing. Open the lines of communication from the moment you wake up and keep them open all day long. Talk to God under your breath. Sing praise songs under your breath. Um, that's one thing, I, you know, one of the things I like about my students during weightlifting, if I get in the mood to sing praise songs, I can sing praise songs at the top of my lungs and they, they just leave me alone. They just figure, it's Doc being Doc. They don't make fun of me. And, um, um, but, you know, let me just look at Ephesians 5. Probably getting a little off topic here, but Ephesians 5. Eighteen to twenty, and do not get drunk with wine. Most of us will say, "Hey, yeah, that's piece of cake." I'm not into drinking, so it's like great. Yeah, but that's not the whole verse there. And do not get drunk with wine, in which is dissipation. But don't be filled with wine; be filled with the Spirit. And then Paul describes what it looks like to be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, if you're in an airport and a drunk guy is walking by, on a basis of 1 to 10, most Americans would say that guy is weird level 2. Okay? But if somebody filled with the Spirit is walking by and singing praise songs to God from the heart, they're probably going to say, man, that's weird on the level of 10, man. That's, that guy's really, I'm telling, I'm telling you right now, we need America right now, our world right now needs Jesus freaks more than any other time. When, when's the last time somebody accused you of being a weirdo for Jesus, okay? We've, we've tamed and boxed in. We've tamed our Christianity, yet we serve an untamed God, okay? What C.S. Lewis said about Aslan, the Jesus character, um, he is good, but he is, he is not tame, yeah. Boy, we watered down Jesus. Maybe that's why our friends aren't even interested in Jesus. We've watered them down. And um, yet Jesus is still the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But we've got to pray without ceasing. And then back in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18, in everything give thanks. Well, that's just for some people, not for me. No, Paul says, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It is God's will that we give thanks in all things. Now, did I feel like rejoicing or giving thanks when I was at my, my mom's funeral or my dad's funeral? 
I didn't feel like it. But if I want to be obedient to God, I rejoice always. I choose to have the joy of the Lord in the midst of sufferings. And I thank God. See, you got to understand, being ungrateful is what got us in the problem that we're in with the fall of mankind. Look at Romans 1. And everything give thanks. This is God's will and Jesus and Christ he is for all of us. Now, Paul's, Paul's not saying be thankful for all things. If your loved one dies, you don't say, thank you, God, that my loved one died. You don't thank God for all things, but in the midst of your suffering, it's like even though my loved one died, I am grateful to you, God. You gave me years with my loved one, whether it's my father uh, or my mother. Be thankful in all things. But being ungrateful was what caused man to rebel about, against God in the first place. Look at Romans 1, verse 21. Paul's letter to the Romans. Chapter 1, verse 21 talks about, we haven't seen the invisible God, but we see the visible work of his hands. So we know that he exists. And, uh, and, but then we, then we suppress that truth. In verse 21, because although they knew God, how do we know God? Because God revealed himself to us, to all mankind through his creation. That's why King David said, the heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Then they professed to be wise and make fools of themselves. Okay? But even though we knew God, we didn't give him glory, and we were not thankful. Okay? See, an athe atheist like to think of themselves as a kid who grew up in a home and believed in Santa Claus, and then reached that age where you realize, no, it's, Santa's not giving me these gifts. It's mommy and daddy are giving me these gifts. I don't believe in Santa anymore. I've intellectually grown up. That's the way atheists think of themselves, but that's not what the Bible says. The Bible would say atheists or anybody who's worshiping a false god, but especially atheists in this illustration, they're kids who know that the gifts are not from Santa Claus. They're from mom and dad, but they love the gifts, but could care less about the gift giver. Okay? So you get atheists who love the world, and they're not thankful to the world maker, the creators, creator of heaven and the earth. And so atheists are spoiled, ungrateful kids. Okay, and um, and they suppress that truth deep down inside. They know that God exists. But what got us in the mess was not that God didn't reveal himself to us. God revealed himself to us through his creation. What got us in the mess, we didn't glorify him, and we did not give him thanks. Please, be, be a thankful person. Be somebody who regularly gives God thanks, okay? We don't thank God for all things because in this cursed creation, most stuff that happens is bad. Now, we're, we live in America, so we got way more blessings than just about any other nation has had. Um, look at Israel for turning their back on the Messiah. Look how rough they've had it. Uh, they didn't even have their own piece of land for a few thousand years there. But we don't thank God for all things, but we thank him in all things. That even when our loved ones die, even when we lose our jobs, even when people ridicule us, even when we don't know where the money's going to come from for our groceries or our mortgage payment, even in the difficult times, we know that our God is still God. Our God is still on the throne. Realize, we got to be thankful in all things. That means that if they outlaw Christianity in America, which they're coming close to doing, okay, 
Um, boy, I tell you, the Supreme Court, we've had, a, we've had a pretty good year with the Supreme Court, but that's only because some obnoxious guy named Trump got to make three selections, and all of a sudden Roe versus Wade went by the side, and um, now if you got a wedding business and you do wedding websites, you don't have to do them for, for uh, gay couples if you're if you believe gay marriage is a sin because you're a Christian and, and now all of a sudden you can't redistribute the wealth and pay student loans for people when you paid your own student loans or chose not to go to college because you couldn't afford it. Um, but more times than not, things are going against Christians. And so even if Christianity, and I think it will in the near future, Christianity gets out low. We already got preachers in America. The last one I know of was in Pennsylvania. It was peacefully quoting Bible verses across from a transgender protest. And, um, and they, they cuffed them. You can watch the video online and took them away. And, uh, and so even if Christianity gets outlawed and you get in prison, even if they decide they're going to execute you, don't, don't, don't lie to yourself and act like the American government... We're a free country and this and that and blah, blah, blah. Hey, if you're in a country and there's certain things you can't say, okay, I mean, what? I think two of my last four or five sermons have been canceled from YouTube. Uh, it's a free country. You can't have a free country without freedom of speech. You can't have a free country without freedom of religion. Okay, and uh, so what do we do? Do we just get do we just get all grumpy if we get imprisoned and maybe they want to execute us? Okay, we got people sitting down right now in prison in this country, and uh, video footage shows police officers removing barriers and waving them into the Capitol, and they're not being treated well. Uh, we got people who try to testify against those in positions of power. And next thing you know, the IRS raids their homes. Okay? So don't act like America is going to remain free. America is really not free yet uh, anymore. It's just that that doesn't mean everybody gets locked up all at once. Okay? They go after the loud people first. But let's say you get in prison. Let's say they're going to execute you. So, okay, now I don't have to rejoice. Yes, you do. Paul said you rejoice always. You might think, well, it's always really bad. It could be worse. You could, you could still be hellbound. The King Jesus conquered the grave. He died for your sins. He conquered the grave, rose from the dead, and he's going to come back. He's going to come back for his people. He's going to come back and make things right on planet Earth. You can still rejoice, and you can give thanks. You know, a lot of the great saints throughout history actually gave thanks, even when they were being executed. Um, Peter, church tradition tells us that they were going to take him up a hill to crucify him. He said, you can't do that because I'm not worthy to die the way my Savior died. And at this point, he probably had a real good relationship with the Romans soldiers because he was speaking the truth in love to them it's not our job to be obnoxious jerks okay he's speaking the truth in love and they was like gee we want to help you peter but our job says we got to crucify you and then they thought you know what we could crucify you upside down which is a pretty horrible way of dying and um and that's what they did two years later his younger brother andrew was walking up a hill to an X-shaped cross, a Greek cross rather than a Roman cross, where they nail your feet separate. And, uh, and he looked and he thought, what an honor to die the way my Savior died and the way my older brother died. And he came to attention and he saluted the cross. Why? Because he knew if we're believers... We need to have the joy of the Lord all the time. We rejoice always. 
and he knew that we are to give thanks in all things. Give thanks in all things. Look at Romans 8, 28. Romans 8, 28. Here's that word, all things, again. I looked, I can't remember, it was like Ponta or Ponta? Was that? Panta? And um, I remember I, I spent about a week, did this real deep study about all things to see what the word, the one word in Greek, what it really means. And after a week of deep study, I found out that it means all things. And um, that's a good translation of it. You know, it was like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What Paul's talking about, though, is, look, I know what it's like to be poor. I know what it's like to be rich. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So in other words, I can survive and thrive in any situation, whether good or bad, because Jesus is my strength. But here, Paul says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. That's why we can thank God in all things, in every circumstance. It doesn't mean only good things happen to you, but it means whether things are good or bad, God works them for the good of believers. And so even if bad stuff is happening, they lock you up for preaching Jesus. They want to kill you for preaching Jesus. Okay? That's bad stuff. But you can still thank God because God promises to make all things, even the bad stuff, he's going to work all things for your good if you love him. Okay? And so that enables us to be the exact opposite of what we got into this mess of, over. When we fell, we were not thankful. We were not grateful to the creator God who gave us our existence and this beautiful universe, we were ungrateful. Well, now we're enabled to be grateful and thankful in all things, even the bad things, because whether things are good or things are bad, God promises to work it all for our good, okay? By the way, even when you sin, God's going to work it for good. But keep in mind, you know, you're going to learn, when you sin, you're going to learn a lot of good stuff. But there's an easier way to learn that good stuff, okay? So I'm, I try to learn from, like, Noah's sin, Abraham's sins, uh, David's sins. Learn the lessons that they learn from their sins so you don't have to repeat their sins to learn those lessons. But God's going to work if you really love him. God's going to work everything for your good. God's going to work everything for your good if you love the Lord. And, um, and so we can be thankful in all things. Verse 19, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 19, do not quench the spirit. Do not quench the spirit. These are the two, every sin that believers commit, there's either a quenching of the spirit or a grieving of the spirit. Like in Ephesians 4.30, Paul says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit, okay? Don't grieve the Holy Spirit who sealed you for the day of redemption. See, when you grieve the Holy Spirit, it's because you're doing something he doesn't want you to do. When you grieve the Holy Spirit, you're starting a fire he doesn't want started. That's grieving the Holy Spirit. But Paul here says, don't quench the Holy Spirit. When you quench the Holy Spirit, you're putting out a fire that God wants started. Okay? I praise God that, as far as I know, Trinity Bible Fellowship, we're not out there grieving the Holy Spirit all the time. Because when that goes on, you find out. Okay? And then you got to deal with it and all. But we got to ask ourselves, are there some fires in Bremerton? Are there some fires in Kitsap County that God wants started? But every time God starts it, 
We pour water on it. Are we being all that God called us to be? You know, a lot of us will say, I, I'm not grieving the Holy Spirit. You know, I'm not out there sinning and getting drunk and getting in fights and cursing. Well, what are you doing? Well, I'm sitting on the couch watching three consecutive college football games. Teams I never even heard of. Players I don't even know their names. Well, maybe you're not grieving the Holy Spirit, but you could be quenching the Holy Spirit. Okay? Don't get me wrong. God wants us to have some rest. But when I'm sitting down on the couch so long watching football games that I can't get up when I want to get up, something's wrong with that picture. But don't quench the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit doesn't want us to do certain things. And if we say no to sin, good. We're not grieving the Holy Spirit. But there's some good stuff the Holy Spirit wants us doing through God's power and for God's glory. We can't be quenching the Holy Spirit. This, this is not, there never was a time for this, but if there was, this isn't the time to quench the Holy Spirit. If our county, our state, our country, our world ever needed Christians who are not quenching the Holy Spirit, that day has come. We got to speak truth to power. We got to speak the truth in love. We got to love people with the love of the Lord. We've got to stop quenching the spirit. And then Paul says in verse 20, do not despise prophecies. Do not despise prophecies. Okay? Now, let me say this. Prophecies in the church were much more common before the Bible was completed and circulated. It's not like you needed moment by moment direction, prophetic words to live your Christian life. Now we got not only the Old Testament, but the entire New Testament. We don't even have to go to a synagogue or a church to break out the scrolls. We can, in fact, you don't even have to go to a, pick up a Bible anymore. You've got yourself you can get any English translation you want. You can read it in the Greek and the Hebrew if you want. And uh, so there was a real need for it back then, but there's still a need every now and then. Keep in mind, what we find in the scriptures today, that's what God, uh, like for the, for the Old Testament, it was the prophetic authority. For the New Testament, it was apostolic authority. And the apostles aren't here anymore. It had to have apostolic authority. It had to be in agreement with previous revelation, previous scripture, because even the apostles were not infallible. And it had to be edifying for the entire church. All Christians on planet Earth back then and for all the centuries. And then it gets in the Bible. At the same time, the Holy Spirit might give somebody a prophetic word for this church, maybe for you, okay? And didn't need it to be. He's not going to be adding it to the Bible. The Bible is complete. The apostolic age is done. And so, in other words, you've got to be open to a word from God. We study God's word, we pray, and don't despise a prophetic word word. Now, God might put it on somebody's heart. It might be a word of prophecy. Just read 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It might be a word of knowledge. Maybe you're going through a situation. Lord, why am I going through this situation? And somebody doesn't even know about your situation says, I think God put it on my heart to tell you this. And they tell you and it explains what's going on. It might be a word of wisdom, which tells you not just about the situation, but what to do about it. Okay. Uh, God will speak to us, to fellow believers. Let me tell you this, though. I am much more open to a prophetic word from a Christian brother or sister who, in humility, just says, God put this, God gave me this verse from Scripture, or God put something on my heart that I want to share with you. And when I hear it, if it hits home, I'm much more open to that than then some guy going around calling himself a prophet. Okay. We tell you guys going around calling themselves prophets. I don't even give them the time of day. 
When I, when I got saved in the Catholic charismatic movement, everybody and their mother's brother was a prophet. I had one guy telling me that God, God told me that I'm going to be your spiritual father and you need to submit to my authority. And I told him, I said, yeah, well, I didn't get the memo yet, okay? So God hasn't told me. So until that time, you minister on that part of town, I'll minister on another part of town, okay? That guy ended up going, he was an ex-convict, he ended up going back to prison. Um, I, I've heard prophetic words from, from guys at charismatic prayer meetings. That, oh, I had a dream of this uh, empty stadium. All the seats were empty and it held like 60,000 seats. And that God wants us to fill that stadium with people and get the gospel message out there and blah, blah. And I'm like, really? I mean, that's, that's your, what you're telling me? And then I look into the guy and find out the guy doesn't even read God's word, doesn't even study God's word. Let me tell you something. Don't tell me God gave you something to tell me if you're not, your face is not in the book. The, 60, the collection of 66 books we call the Bible. It's like, well, I'm too lazy to read God's word. Maybe God will give me a dream. Oh, yeah, you're going to have a dream, bud. But how do you even know it's from God? It could be from the other side, and you're not going to know. Because even Satan disguised himself as an angel of light. The more you know of God's truth, the more you'll be able to discern between truth and falsehood. But you give me a guy or a gal who humbly serves the Lord, their face is in God's word, and, um, and then they give me a Bible verse. I've had times people give me a Bible verse, uh, and uh, I look at it, and I look at the verse, and I think, man, this is hitting the nail on the head, you know? And, um, and sometimes they don't even realize it. Sometimes they just think they're shooting off the hip. Don't despise prophecies. Now, keep in mind, look at the very next verse, verse 21. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. Yeah, don't despise prophecies, but test it with God's word. Okay? So every once in a while, somebody will come up with what they call a prophecy, and it contradicts the Bible, throw it out. Let God be true and every man a liar. Um and then sometimes people say, hey, I got a prophetic word, and it's to uh, fill up the football stadium. Uh, yeah, I think God told us that when he said, go make disciples of all nations, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teach them all. I mean, it just that's, that's not a prophetic word there. Okay? And um, so, uh, but when Christians humbly come alongside and they have a word that they think is from the Lord, thank them. And then test it. Test all things, hold fast to what is good. A lot of times people have a, a word they pass on to me, and it, it's consistent with the word, but I'm not really sure it really applies to my Well, then I just suspend judgment on it. Okay? But you test all things and hold fast to what is good. Um, you know, Paul says, let God be true and every man a liar. And then in Proverbs 30, verses 5 and 6, every word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. And then it says, don't, don't be stupid. Don't add to God's word. Joseph Smith, Muhammad, don't, don't be doing that. Don't play the fool. Um, but, uh, but God's word is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Test all things, hold fast to what is good, and then we're told in verse 22, abstain from every form of evil. Don't conform to the pattern of the world. There, we are being pressured right now to encourage people in lifestyles that the Bible just clearly calls sin. We've got to abstain from every form of evil. And we'll close with this, Romans 12, verse 2. Romans 12, verse 2. And Paul says this, and do not be conformed to this world. Don't be outwardly conformed to this world. Don't follow the pattern of, the, of this world. Well, it's cool to be transgender. It's not biblical. 
Okay? God in the beginning made us male and female. No confusion there. If you have people who are confused, don't oppress them with lies. Come alongside them, encourage them. But if the guy's biologically a guy, you got to encourage him to be a guy. If the lady's biologically a lady, you got to encourage her to be a lady. Okay? Um, we don't conform to this world. We, we be, be nice about it. Speak the truth in love. I, I treat people with dignity because I love them. But that doesn't mean I'm going to tell you lies. Like I said earlier, those who refuse to speak truth to power will eventually tell lies to the oppressed. And right now we're lying to a bunch of young people who are confused about their sexuality. Okay? Let's, let's, just, let, let's be truth tellers. Let's be rejoicing, grateful truth tellers who test everything with God's word and do not be outwardly conformed to this world. Even if, even if the world says, you don't conform to us, we will kill you. Hey, let God be true and every man a liar. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, be inwardly transformed by the renewing of your mind. God cannot renew your mind unless you stop thinking you're the boss, you surrender to him, and you study his word. And you become a person of the word and a person of prayer. You pray without ceasing. You study God's word daily. And don't be conformed to this world, but be inwardly transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. See, if you get sold out for Jesus and you become a person of prayer, a person of God's word, a person of thankfulness, a person of rejoicing, and you don't quench the spirit, you don't grieve the spirit, you obey God's general will for your life through the power of the Holy Spirit and for God's glory, then God will start changing your desires. Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. So if you make the Lord your greatest joy, God will change your desires and you'll start desiring for yourself what God desires for you. And so you obey God's general will through God's power for God's glory. God will reveal uh, his specific will uh, uh, for your life to you but we need to abstain from every form of evil. Okay? We got a culture right now that is so godless. You know, Isaiah 5.20, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. We're living in those days right now. We can't conform to the world. We got to allow the Holy Spirit to inwardly transform us. The more inwardly transformed by, by the Lord that you get, the more the world's going to hate you. And Jesus said, if you find the world hates you, know it's hated me before it hated you, John 15, 18. Okay? And, um, but uh, we need to rejoice in the Lord always. Um, we need to be thankful in all things, to pray without ceasing. We should not quench the spirit and not despise prophetic words but we have to test all things, hold fast to what is good, and we need to abstain from every form of evil. Let's close with a word of prayer. Father, in Jesus' precious name, I thank you, Lord, for the people that are here, that they want to hear your truth, even when your truth hurts them and hurts the one uh, that is proclaiming it from the pulpit. But we want you, Lord. We want your truth. Please, Lord, make us people of rejoicing. For the joy of the Lord is our strength. Make us people of prayer, for we depend upon you. Make us people that do not quench the Holy Spirit, but test all things with your word. And make us people who do not do evil, but instead seek to live our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit and for your glory, doing that which you called us to do. I pray, Lord, 
in the midst of a culture that hates Jesus and hates his word and hates his people, I pray, Lord, that you would help your church be the church, that you would help God's people to be God's people, that you would help us to rejoice, to be grateful, and that we would not quench the spirit, but be obedient to you from the heart, through the power of the Holy Spirit, and for your glory. Help us, Lord, to build your kingdom and not our own. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. All right, God bless you, everybody. We'll see you at the Bible studies throughout the week. In fact, tonight, 6 p.m. Oh, yeah, then the 4th of July barbecue, and uh, that's at 1030. I'll probably, what? What? 2.30? 2.30. Okay. Ouch.